Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information right. about well, anyways, Revival Life Church are, or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. We're studying the life of Abraham and his journey to the promise, because as a house, we're in a journey to the promise, and individually, listen, when you're actually joined to a house, we're in a journey together. What the American church is terribly failing at is letting folks know that the church is an us thing, not a me thing, right? And when you're joined to a church, you're part of an us. Unfortunately, some churches are just trying to build a me because the pastor's trying to be, build a me thing. So you're there and you feel like it's a you thing, right? Because what is at the head will multiply in the body, right? And so there's so many me's at church because there's no pastor that thinks about us. I'm not judging any church I love every church in Boca. If you're preaching the gospel, we're on the same team. But the trend is to make us think it's about us, and it is not sustainable. If your foot, if your liver don't care about the rest of the body, you got problems, right? If your heart don't care about the rest of the body, you got problems, right? And so we want to be an us, and it's important that we get grafted in the right way and the problem, as, as we're on this journey, we're, we're on this journey individually, we're on this journey collectively, I believe the church in America is on a journey. It has lost its way a little bit. And if you're worried about where I'm going with that, not where you think, right? If you're excited about where I might be going with that, that's probably what I'm talking about, right? So, so just see that however you want, right? It, it's, but, 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 but there's a lack of identity in the church, and I, I feel like uh, when we look at the early church, we don't see the American church, and that's a problem. And like my bishop says, we need to go out with the old and what? In with the older. This is what we need. And, and I find in these times of wandering, these times of testing, maybe you've been through some hard times. Maybe these last couple of years has really kicked you in the gut. And uh, I think, I think what, what can happen with this, am I talking to anybody yet? Uh, and, and, and I think what happens in this, it's worse than just having trouble. What it does is it really robs us of our identity. Right? Like part of, we lose, when we, when, when we catch enough L's, we, we kind of lose, like, who am I really? Who, who, who am I really? What, what am I really about? And, and, and everybody, every human, every, everybody who's walking this earth has three questions, whether they recognize it or not. Who am I? How did I get here? And where am I going? Right? And, and we don't take enough time to examine these questions so we can get where God has called us to be. And I'm here to tell you, we are living in precarious times. This is not a fear thing. I'm not trying to make you scared. You just need a working brain to see, man, we got some, we got some troubles. We got some troubles in our times, and all times have troubles. But I believe we are at a, at a prophetic age right now. We're on a, 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 like a, there, there is a, there's an epoch that's happening right now where a lot of things are in flux. And I'm praying that they go well. I'm praying that they go in ways that glorify Jesus, but here's what happens when we get in precarious times. When things get crazy, we start to shift our focus from the hope God has put in front of us to just make bad things go away. When you get in times that things get crazy, our vision, like when things are good, you're thinking like, how good can things get? Like maybe they can get great. Maybe they can get amazing. Maybe I could be world famous. And then times get rough and all of a sudden we start thinking more and more and more about how can I just make the bad times 
go away. And, and this is the tension, I think, that many of us are living in. I, I want what God has coming for me, but I also want the bad things to go away. And, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a battle that's happening on the inside of us internally. This tension, which one are we going to focus on? Which one needs the most attention? Which one is winning the battle for our thought life? And hope is, um, the problem is that, that hope, it's, 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 it's rooted in vision. And when we start losing our vision because all we're able to see is our depression, is the lack, is the anxiety, if all we're seeing is the attack and in, in, in our hope starts to fade and we start putting our hope, instead of what God has for us in the future, we start putting our hope in bad things ending. And without knowing it, our hope is tied to the bad things. We anchor our hope instead of the promise. We start anchoring our hope to what the enemy might be doing or the economy is doing or the government is doing or even what our health is doing. And, 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 and we, we, we need to go back and we got to figure out where, where did I actually come from? Who, who am I really and where did I come from? How did I get here so I can know where I'm going Romans 4, Paul tells us that, that Abraham, Abraham is the, is the father of everyone who is Jewish naturally, but he's the father of everyone who has come to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Many call him the father of faith. And in order to know who we are, we kind of have to know who we descend from. It, it would be, it's, 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 it's wrong to think that I am not connected to those I descend from. I have a debate that I regularly have with people who say God doesn't see race. I'm like, that's interesting. What else can't God see? God has no idea what family I came from, really, and he's the all-knowing God. God doesn't understand that I grew up in a black neighborhood in an Italian home. God doesn't recognize that. Why does God speak to me in English if he doesn't see who I am? God does see your race. God does see your gender. God does see your struggles. God does see who you identify as. God see who you're supposed to identify as. God understands who you are, but you have to understand where you come from. And we often see the past through the lens of pain instead of seeing the past through the journey that God has brought you on. And so we don't understand where we're at because we don't understand where we've come from. We have not taken a prophetic view of where we come from, so we don't understand where we're really at. What the prophets did time and again in the Old Covenant was they were in captivity and they're writing the story to people in captivity saying, I need you to understand who you are, what God has called you to, and what got you into this situation so that when you get a breakthrough, we don't repeat this cycle. Amen. This is what God wants for you. And I just feel, and I'm not speaking hype, I feel in the name of Jesus, today is going to be significant for a few people spiritually. I, I don't care, hear me, I don't care if you learn anything today, because I feel like I'm going to do something spiritual today that's going to mark you, and you're going to carry it out of here in a way to see things past the enemy's work. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I feel like God is going to do something today, so stay engaged, amen? Amen. 
See, this is a little call and response. We're, we're, we're a participatory church here. I had you pray for somebody a minute ago. The, the worship leader is telling you, hey, I'm glad you're here, but you need to sing, right? Like, this is, this is, this is, this is who we are as a church, right? And if you're like, I'm used to just sitting and listening, that, that's college, right? Go take an English class. Go, 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 go take a history class. And here, we're here to be the church. Amen. All right, come on, somebody. I feel like we're getting somewhere now. Hallelujah. I don't, I, we're getting somewhere now. Hallelujah. Oh, you know what? My, oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's a perfect time to turn off. Absolutely. I appreciate you, Steve Jobs. That's absolutely amazing time for you to do that. I love that. That's, that's wonderful. Appreciate you. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So Abraham, you know, we're, he's on this journey to the promise. And, and, and Abraham was not perfect. He was the father of faith, not the father of good works. Right? He's not the, he's not the father of getting it right. He's a father of faith. And, and God is communicating something in that to us, you know, and if we as we as we recap how we've gotten to today, we remember that Abram, before his name was changed to Abraham, he he, he got the promised. He got this promise about the promised land and he and he journeyed and he journeyed to get it. But it was harder than he thought it was going to be. So he. Oh, my wife. Thank you, honey. My, look at my wife. Bring me a pretty version. Give it up. Come on. Look at her be my help me. She's like, just in case. She don't know that I'd have just made something up. I'd have been like, that's the Holy Ghost. We, we finna, we finna, <laughs> I just, you know. Anyways, so, um, so Abraham, you know, about 4,000 years ago was the story of Abraham. And, 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 and this story, God, Abraham was led by God to leave what he had known and go into a place that God would show him. I don't have time to preach this, but I need you to hear this. He had to leave where he knew and, and, and go to where God would show him. He told him, you got to leave your father. And he's like, yeah, and go to who? He's like, I'll tell you later. And he's like, I need you to leave your land. And he's like, and go where? Eh, we'll talk about that later. He's like, I'm going to give you a promised land. Really? Yeah, God, where is it at? I'll tell you that later. I'm going to give you a son. Wait a minute, I'm old and my wife has no kids. How's that going to happen? I'll tell you later. And so he's like, you just, now it's time for you to just move. And so if you feel like, I feel like God is doing something, I just don't know what or where it is, you're in really good company. Amen. You're in company with Abraham, and you're in company with about half the room, right? Like you are not alone. And sometimes just knowing you're not crazy is half the victory. Or at least you're not the only crazy one. There's a chance that if you're crazy, you come from a line of crazy people, right? And then people want to make you feel bad about being crazy, and you're like, you Man, I done grown up with you. I done seen you're crazy. Don't be making fun of my crazy. My crazy is just different than your crazy, right? We're all trusting God. And so Abraham, he got, as we told the story, I got to quit preaching. I got to just get this so I can get to the message. So Abraham moved into the promised land, but he didn't trust God in the promised land, right? And so there was a drought, and he ran from the promised land, wound up in Egypt, and all kind of crazy things happened there. And, uh, you know, almost lost his family, lost just things weren't good. And so he finally went back to where God told him to be. And he had this encounter with God. Abraham was promised land and he was promised a family and he didn't have any children, didn't have family. But his rebellious nephew and his wife, who didn't necessarily believe him, and, uh, you know, he looked in the cupboard, and it was all bare, right? Didn't have no natural supplies to fulfill the call 
of God. Man, I could preach all of this, but I'm not going to. So God let Abraham wander in his foolishness till he came back to the place of covenant. There God showed him that he, God was a shield for him. That he will be with him and that his descendants will be blessed. But that he needed to be patient. Say patient. He needed to protect the promise. Say protect the promise. And he needed to walk in destiny. Say walk in destiny. Come on. He needed to be patient. He needed to protect the promise. He needed to walk in destiny. And some of us need to go back. Hear me. Just like Abraham. We need to go back to the place of covenant. We need to go back to the place that God talked to us. We need to go back to the place of hope. I feel like some of us need to pull out some old journals. You need to pull out some old memories that you had, some old messages that you said to people about what God said to you. You need to go back to when you got saved and what God spoke to you in those few moments, what you thought was going to come to pass, the promise that you believe God spoke over your life. That when you got, when you got, it started that business or when you started to get married or when you had your baby, the dreams and hopes that you had. Some of you need to go back to those words and let them be born again on the inside of you. We need to check the promises because many of us have taken those promises and we put them in a cupboard. We're like Abraham. We left them in the promised land. We went somewhere else looking for provision. Anyways, let's turn to Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse 8. I'm going to be preaching out of the NIV today because it's a little less clunky here. Uh, it is what it is. You ready? Yeah? Okay, great. That's good. I'm so, so glad you're ready. Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse 8. It says, but Abram said, now he's back in the promised land that God told him to go to originally before he got rebellious and wandered off into Egypt. God met him there. Hey, ain't it funny that God is always waiting for you in the promised land? He says, I told you to go somewhere. And you're like, maybe I got it wrong. Let me go try this. Let me go try that. Let me, let me go whatever. And you go back to the place of prayer finally. And God's like, oh, hey, where, hey, how you been? I've been here all along. You ever show up and God's like, hey, I've been waiting for you here in the, in the, in the prayer room. What do you know? So here, here's Abraham. He's back in the promised land. And Abram said to God, oh, sovereign God, how could I know? that I will gain possession of this promised land. So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep in a thick dreadful darkness came over him. Verse 17. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On this day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, to your descendants, I give this land. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would anoint this word today, that you would do that thing that only you can do where you touch the lips of the preacher and those words become spirit and life. And I pray in the name of Jesus that hope would be born today and that in everything we do and say, we would glorify the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen and amen. The Bible is a story. It's a, it's a big story. It's a big, long, complicated story. And the story is not just the story of God, the story of God and man. 
There's two parts to this story. And so when people say there's nothing in the Bible, that's wrong. That's kind of a weird thing to say because there's people in the Bible who are wrong lots of times. God is never wrong. But the story is not God. The story is a story about God's interaction with man. Now, if you're offended in that, give me a call this week. Don't just disappear. Don't ghost me. Let me explain that a little bit, all right? Because I feel like I got some solid ground to stand on here. I don't want to take away from God or His Word. But God, the, the Bible is more than God and His Word. The Bible is the Bible. It's the recorded story of a select group of people and their interaction with God. Our our job is to read this book, understand the story so that we can understand the storyteller so we can live faithfully in relationship with him. That's the point of the Bible. And so many times we take little snippets of story and we don't understand the full story. We don't understand the stories within the stories. We don't understand the points of the stories. We're so busy looking at little things and dissecting them so that we can feel like we understand something. We miss the one who's sitting and telling the story. Our goal here is to know God so we can worship Him and we can be His light on the earth. The goal isn't to gain more knowledge. Amen. The story of the Bible has four very simple parts. Put it up if you would, please. It's about a creation. God is the creator. How did He create it? Who cares? We know He created it, right? I know it's here. I don't know how they built my car and people are trying to figure out how the earth got built. Come on now. I don't even know how this microphone is working, right? And you think you can understand how the earth was created. Get over yourself, right? It's about creation. It's about the fall of man. Our relationship with God was broken. It's about God redeeming our value and then the restoration of all things to God's beauty. This is the story of the Bible. You can go down rabbit trails, all kinds of things, and forget this is what the Bible is about. This is what God wants to do in your life. You were not a surprise when you showed up on the scene. God created you. How did he create me? I don't know. I don't care. All I know is God did it. When did it happen? Did it happen? I don't know. I don't care. You're here now. God brought you here, right? That's, that's what matters, right? And you've, you, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's best. But God has a value that's out of our own value. God has a value for us that originates with him, and he redeems that value, and he wants to restore you to the beauty in which you were created. Amen. This is the story of the Word, and it's always been the story of God and man. And the Bible is separated into two parts. Some people call it the Old Testament and the New Testament. Other people call it the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. This word covenant is important. It's, in study that we, it's important that we study and we understand the language of the Bible so we can understand the language of the people telling it. Amen. You can go to a place, and if you don't understand the language, you're not going to get a lot. We have to understand the language of the Bible. It was not written in English, right? And so it's important to understand it wasn't written to America. It wasn't written to you. It was written to some people. We need to understand who he was writing it to, why he wrote it to them, so we can understand the people who wrote it and what God has for us today. And so we study the Bible. We study God so we can know who he is. And so let's pay attention today so we can know what God has for us today. This word covenant, thank you, Josh. This word covenant is super important in the scriptures. It's super important to understand what a covenant is and what it has to do with our lives because we have a covenant with God. This covenant, this word covenant, is, it's a sacred agreement. It's more than just a contract. It's more than just I agree to do something and you agree to do something. I agree to pay you and you agree to give me something because you can get cash back on a, on a payment you don't like. 
Covenant is different. Covenant is sacred. Covenant is holy. And in the Bible, they talk about cutting a covenant. And we see that here. This, this, this idea of cutting a covenant, it, it predated Abram. It was a cultural thing. It's how they did things in those days when they made a sacred agreement. They would sacrifice an animal. And they would, they would cut this animal in half. Or other cultures of the day would slit the throat of an animal. And what they would say is, we're agreeing to something. You agree to do this, and in return, I agree to do that. Or we both agree to do whatever. And then we cut this animal and we say, whoever breaks this covenant, we both agree that what's happening to this animal will happen to this person. Right? There was this, there was this, this thing like, like, and it's a barbaric culture. It's a barbaric ritual for a barbaric people. But God speaks to us in our language. And so God is saying, you know, in Abraham, in this day, when they made these covenants, they're saying, listen, I understand the only thing that I really care about is myself. I don't care about keeping my word. I don't care about you. What I care about is myself, and I don't want to die. And so people wouldn't swear to things unless it was worth keeping because you're pledging your life for it. And so they would have these covenants that they would cut, and they'd say, hey, we made a covenant, and if you don't fulfill your half, I get to kill you. Now, I'm glad we don't do this most of the time. Sometimes this would be a very present help in time of need. Amen. Like, you know, <clears throat> every now and then, it was, you know, like, hey, you want to be biblical? <laughs> you know, we found out you were lying. I'm going to have to cut you in half. Right? Like, that, you know, it's, 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 it, would, it would be helpful. Though I'm glad, you know, I didn't, I didn't enter into one of those. But, you know, but, 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 but this same ritual is happening right here. It didn't originate with Abram. It was a cultural thing of that time that Abram understood and God participated in. So God gives Abram a word, but Abram didn't have faith yet. Abram didn't have faith yet. He's like, how will I know for sure, God, that you will keep your word? Just saying that sounds almost blasphemous, right? How do I know, God, that you will keep your word? But if you're honest, you've probably asked God the same question. But it might have sounded like, why are you not doing what I thought you were going to do, God? Why are you not rescuing this thing that I thought you were going to rescue? Why have you not come through in ways that I thought you would come through? We all have doubt. We all have challenges. We all, we all believe God said something and it didn't come to pass. And it comes to the core of our faith. It takes a shot at what we had hoped for. And if we could be honest, sometimes afterwards, it gets a little harder to hope again. Your hope gets a little broken. It's, it, it gets a little raw. We get a little guarded. Our heart gets a little hardened. And what we don't recognize is our trust in God takes a blow. Abram was honest enough to go to God and say, God... How will I know that you're really talking to me? And God says, we're going to use this same ritual. He said, let's make a covenant. And so Abram gets the animals and he lays them out. And he cuts them in half. <clears throat> and as we just read in the story, God encounters the man Abram in a voice, in a way that Abram recognized as God. And 
God, 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 God speaks to him and Abram decides, well, can you imagine how foolish Abram felt doing this? It didn't say that he saw God. He's just hearing him. And so he's out here making a, a covenantal sacrifice. He gets a heifer. That's a, that's, that's a whole cow. That's a lot of meat, right? Like that's, that's, that's a lot of beast. And he cuts the thing in half. And can you imagine, you know, the neighbors showing up? Hey, Abram, what you doing over there? I'm um, <clears throat> kind of, you know, I got a, got a contract. I got a sign, you know, and so I'm, I'm laying it out. Oh, yeah, wow, okay, wow, must be an important one. Got a whole animal cut in half there. Oh, got another animal, got some birds. <clears throat> That's, when, when's the other person showing up? Uh, um, <clears throat> um, yeah, what's the guy look like so I can look for him when he's showing up? Well, uh, well, I just kind of heard him in my head. Oh, having a contract with a voice in your head, huh? How are you, Abram? <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah, you're like, um, well, I just believe that God talked. God talked to you. Which God? Well, that's, that's another story, actually. Uh, it's, I don't really know how to, how to tell you uh, what's actually going on. I mean, it took some faith. And sometimes when we operate in faith, we look a little silly to those who haven't heard God. Amen. We, we, we start to do some things that other people don't quite understand. And God talks to us and he's like, Here, here's what I need you to do. I need you to do something a little weird for me to prove that you actually heard me. And uh, people are saying, you know, why did you take that person back? Or why are you giving them another chance? Or why are you putting your finances into that thing? Why are you taking that step? And you're like, well, God, God kind of told me, I feel. And he, you're like, yeah, you're crazy. But Abram was willing to look crazy. But I want you to see something. Abram finally made a real step of faith. He cut this thing in two, and he put it out, and, and, and he's expecting God to show up. You ever done that? You took the step of faith, expecting God to show up, but the first thing that happened was the devil showed up. The enemy showed up. Very first thing that happened. It says in the verse 11, the birds of prey came down on the carcass. The bird, isn't that funny? I want you to be aware of something. I, I, I feel something prophetic in the air today, and I'm not saying that to say that my words are special, but I believe the message is special, and God wants to speak something to you. Uh, isn't it funny that when you finally make a commitment to follow God, all kinds of things start popping up telling you why you shouldn't. Dis- disappointment and discouragement comes. I remember when, when my wife and I, we got engaged. <clears throat> I'm going to tell a little story here, honey. Uh, when, we, when we, you know, the Lord, the Lord told us to get married, right? It wasn't my idea, it wasn't her idea, it was God's idea. Now, I'm thankful, you know, I'm, I'm thankful the Lord blessed me, uh, but it wasn't my idea. And uh, my wife, you know, I rescued her from her singleness. You know, the Lord, the Lord was saving his best, his best, the best he had for his, his daughter, whom he greatly loved, clearly. And, um, uh, uh, and, 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 and God anointed me to rescue her from her singleness, right? And um, <clears throat> that's how I like to tell the story to myself, you know. Um, really, I'm, I got rescued from so much stuff. But uh, the, Lord, the, Lord, the Lord spoke to us. If you know our story, it's kind of a weird one, but the Lord spoke to us each audibly. We weren't dating or anything. The Lord told us that we were supposed to get married. And, um, and, uh, and, and the Lord spoke to her, and the Lord spoke to me. And how about every dude she ever talked to started calling that week? How about, how about, how about you know, some thirsty dude showing up like, oh, maybe there's some. See, because the enemy knows what God is doing. He, they, they, he knows where the blessing is. And, and, and some of them thought they were coming to the wedding. I'm like, ain't now one of them coming to the wedding. I ain't feeding one of them. 
I'm like, Abraham, I'm getting the birds of prey and I'm shooing them away. Guess what? I know you hung on for a long time waiting for her to get lonely, but the loneliness is over and you can shoo now. Shoo fly, shoo fly, shoo fly. Hallelujah. Scatter them all. Uh, strike the ground. She's like, but they're going to be mad. I'm like, let them be mad. They done lost. The better man won. Go somewhere else. Ain't got no lonely women around here. Okay, I'm going to just go down this row. I'm going to just go down this for a second. Ladies and fellas. <clears throat> oh, Jesus. Okay, here we go. This is quick. This doesn't undo my message. <clears throat> Listen, ladies. Fellas are long-suffering. Thirsty fellas are long-suffering. Like, he's just my friend. Ask him. Call them sometime. Oh, Jesus. It's like you're over 40. Just cover your ears here for a second. Listen, just ask them, hey, hey, if I wanted to hook up, would you be down? Just ask them. And you'll say, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Right now, I'm, I'm, I could come over today. Let, let me. He's hanging around for a reason. He's waiting for you to get lonely, right? Just ask him. Y'all being quiet now. Ask them, because you fellas know. You're like, Pastor, stop telling the secrets. Stop giving away the secrets. They, they thirsty. You got to let them know. Guess what? No, no. Ain't never going to happen until the Lord talks to me. Ain't, I ain't going to get lonely. I'm, 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 I'm waiting. I'm waiting on Jesus. Come on. I'm just, I'm just trying to tell y'all. She's like, oh, he's just a friend. I'm like, oh, it's funny. He called this week. This is the week he called talking about how you doing. Oh, I don't want to go down that no more. Anyways. The enemy wants to come and steal your, steal your sacrifice. You wait all this time, and then God speaks to you. And you actually get in a relationship with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, they got a shift open up on Sunday. Enemy just swooping in. Enemy just swooping in. Oh, I got a blessing, Pastor. I'm, they're going to give me some work time on Sunday. You need, to sh you need to get the devil out of your business. I need to tell you this one time. No, listen. 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 The battle is more spiritual than you think it is. The battle is more spiritual than you think it is. Ain't no coincidence. It's not no coincidence you got together with God and all of a sudden the whole world starts turning crazy. It's not a coincidence God came down and touched you in worship this week and then on Monday your boss going to come nagging you like trying to steal the joy you don't just got a breakthrough for. It ain't no coincidence you fight with your spouse the whole way to church. Ain't no coincidence that the kids start acting crazy as soon as you crack open the Bible. This thing is more spiritual than we give it credit for. The devil does not want you worshiping Jesus. He don't care if you show up to a little Bible study where you're going to feel better about yourself for knowing the Bible. He don't care that you just show up to church and you do your little thing and you don't ever engage, but let the worship leader get up here and say, hey, you, you, yeah, yeah, I see you ain't worshiping. Lift your voice. Go ahead and say something. You're like, why he talking to me? Because you ain't worshiping, and this thing is more spiritual than you think it is. Your troubles right now are more spiritual than you think they are. So these animals are out there as a sacrifice to God, and, 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 and this slimy devil's out there trying to steal it, and y'all just entertaining it. Oh, maybe, oh, look, maybe it's a blessing. Maybe this is a bird of prey that, the, that God had sent, and I just want to slap the stupid out of some people. I'm like, this don't look nothing like God. This don't look nothing like God. This don't look like Jesus. Man, okay, that's the next message. All right, I'll just write that down, honey. That's next week. I got something to talk about. Listen, spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. Spiritual problems have spiritual solutions. And, and, and the devil knows when God is at work, 
and he's doing everything he can to stop it. Some good starts happening in your life, the devil shows up immediately. He wants to start breaking that thing up. The devil's a liar. He is a liar. Can you say amen? amen? In Matthew, Jesus talked about faith is like a seed in the sower. And Jesus is the sower in this parable, and he's sowing seed everywhere. But every now and then, the seed just falls somewhere, and it don't get firmly rooted. And what did he say comes to steal it? The birds of the air come to steal it. These are the devils. These are the demons. These are the, the lies. These are the gossips. These are the complainers. These are people who don't keep their word. These are the people who say, hey, don't tell them I said something. But th- th- this, is, this is how the devil works. Come to steal the seed of God out of your life. The word of God comes forth. We, 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 we try to sing about Jesus when Stanley and I were meeting about worship. He's like, what don't you like and what do you like? I said, I don't like singing about God. I like singing to God. I, I don't want to talk about worship. I want to worship. Like we're here. We got a band. We might as well worship. Let's, I mean, it's Sunday. Turned on the lights, got the air conditioner cranked down. We might as well worship. Let's, let's worship God. But the devil hates that. He wants to distract us. So Sunday morning, we bring forth this word, and you need to treasure that word. You, 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 need to, you need to store it up in your heart. You need to use it as a weapon against the devil in the week coming up. You just tell them, I know you stupid devil. I see what you're doing. Don't focus on them, but just let them know you, it ain't going to work. The blood of Jesus has conquered you. Talk to an enemy about the blood. He loves that. Well, I do at least. You talk to him about the blood. They leave quick. Remember back early? Remember when you used to anoint your house with oil? Remember that? Remember you used to like get oil and you put it over the doorposts and you put it over the windows and you maybe you'd walk around your house a little bit. Maybe you'd pray in the Holy Ghost. Maybe you'd put on worship music at times. You're like, we're just going to change the atmosphere. And then a trouble came and you stopped doing it. Maybe, 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 maybe it's time to go back to that. Maybe it's time to say, you know, I'm having some trouble with my kids. Maybe I need to just pray in the Holy Ghost for an hour. Maybe I need to start anointing the doors while they're sleeping at night. Maybe I need to just quit, quit fussing and fighting with them. The Bible says don't provoke them to wrath. Right? That's our, as parents, don't provoke our children to wrath. Maybe, maybe so much wrath because you're provoking your kids to wrath. Maybe it ain't all of them. Maybe it's some of us. But we need to anoint the house and say, like, you know what? God's going to live in this room. You may not. So I like to just put it up there and put the oil and be like, there's an angel right here. You come out this room, you're going to walk into an angel. Like, life is going to change. <laughs> maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. But maybe it will. Right? And that could, and that could help. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he flees. I'm going to go with the word. Amen? Amen? Listen, God has given you the victory over every attack of the devil. And we need to tell him to get away from that which is holy in our lives. We need to tell the devil to get away from my finances. You need to tell the devil, get away from my family. Get away from the call of God on my life. Like it is more spiritual than you think. We're over here, got a spiritual attack of the devil and we're complaining and we're trying to do everything we can in the natural, but pray in the Holy Ghost. Do everything we can in the natural, but get some in spiritual warfare happening. Do everything we can 
in the natural except read the word of God over our situation. Listen, we need to get the devil out of our families. We need to get the devil out of our thinking. We need to get the devil out of our finances. We need to get the devil out of our churches. Can you say amen? And I believe that. I believe that. We need to trouble the troubler. We need to tell them you don't pick the wrong one to mess with today. Every now and then, I just feel in my spirit, oh my gosh, just give me a couple minutes. I just feel in my spirit, you're going to get into some spiritual warfare coming up. And don't go looking for devils. Don't look for demons. Don't be looking for them. But when they show up, anytime they show up, you have authority over them. The only reason you see it is because it's time for them to go. Amen. It's time to go. And at some point, that trouble that used to trouble you will show up. And you're going to be like, oh, I've been waiting for you. Today's your day to see what the blood of Jesus looks like. Today is your day to see what a spirit-filled believer can do. It's your day to see that Jesus Christ done died on the cross for my sins and sent the Holy Ghost to give me power over every work of the enemy. The Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy, and he wants to do that through you. Can you say amen? We got to stand up, and we got to stand in the power Jesus has given us to conquer these things happening in our lives. Come on, I feel the anointing right now. I hope you're getting it. Some of us got a relationship with God, but we're on a three-way call with the devil. Get him off the line. Stop listening to him. God has said, oh, man, you're going to make it. And the devil's like, I don't really think you're going to make it. And you're like, well, God, the devil says I'm not going to make it. <laughs> God says, no, no, you can make it through this day. The devil says, no, nah, you're depressed. God, I'm, I heard I'm depressed. Man, I, 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 I think, you know, you know, God spoke to me the most simple words the other day. He said to me, I was like, Lord, I, didn't, you know, I, I got a laundry list of things I'm praying for. You know, like, praying for you, praying for me, praying for the world. Praying for, I'm praying. And sometimes I get troubled. And I was talking to God. I was like, Lord, I was like, Lord, uh, how, what, what's, what's going to happen? Like, what? 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 Like, this is, this is kind of a big deal right here. We got some, we're in perilous times. We're like, this is, this is a big deal. He spoke to me as clearly as you hear me right now. He said, you're going to be all right. And I was like, I was like, um, how, how, how am I going to be all right? <laughs> like, how's that going to work out, God? Like, um, can you tell me where that's going to work out? Can you tell me the system to make that work out? Can you um, tell me what it's going to look like when it works out? Can you tell me the people you're going to connect me to to make it work out? And he's like, Carl, you're going to be all right. <laughs> I was like, all right. That's God. That's God. He's like, here's what I want. I gave you a promise, and I'd like you to, I gave you a place to stand. Stand on that place. Don't stand on the place of how you going. How, 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 how's this going to? How, who's going to? No, no, you just stand in the place of, I'm going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And I want you to leave here today like it's going to be all right. If you stand with God, it's going to be all right. You say amen. amen. So here's what God did to, here's what he did to Abram. He put him under some Holy Ghost anesthesia. Verse 12, watch this. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Literally, if you look at the Hebrew here, <clears throat> it says that he was troubled by God. This dreadful darkness. He was, he was troubled by God. This, this, this is what real encounters with God look like. This is what real encounters with God look like. Is, this isn't the fake, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a YouTube prophet kind of word. This, this ain't I'm an Instagram prophet and I can say everything God told me in a 30-second Instagram video. This, this, this is what it looks like in the Bible when people encounter the living 
resurrected Jesus Christ, the fear of the Lord comes over you. Now, you can get a prophetic word of encouragement, and I hope you all would do that. I believe that every one of us can get prophetic words of encouragement. We can get words of prophecy that, that, that like encourage people, equips people, gives knowledge, and, 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 and kind of interprets what God is doing. But that ain't the same thing as the prophecy, the prophetic unction that, that comes with the presence of God and his angels. Like when that shows up, you, you know the atmosphere shifts. Amen. When God shows up, things, things, things change. This is, this, this, this is what happened in the book of Job. Job. Job says, when God started talking to Job in Job chapter 4, he says, Fear and trembling seized me, made all my bones shake. A spirit glided past my face, and the, and the hair on my body stood on end. It stopped, but I could not tell what it was. A form stood before my eyes, and I heard a hushed voice. That's when you know God has said something. This is when you know. That, that wasn't just me declaring things. People got faith messed up. They, they, they're like, if I say it enough times, it becomes faith. No, no, no. When that shows up in the room and speaks, faith is imparted. That's the word of the Lord establishing your life right there. The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, a great darkness fell over the land and the very earth shook. This is what happens when God comes. And I'm believing for a shaking in some of our lives. I'm believing a shaking in some of your darkness. I believe many of us have entered into a dark season where it seems like we don't have direction, but the shaking and the voice is coming. You say amen. Amen, amen. See, if you're in a time of confusion and darkness and it feels like everything that can be shaken is being shaken, you might be right on the edge of a new season. Enemy wants you to think that it's dying and God is like, nope. This is the darkness that comes before the voice. This is the negation that God brings creation from. This is the wiping away the old so he can bring forth the new. It's what happened with Abram. He had... Two competing voices happening here. He had what he saw, and he had what God said. And he had the question, can the barren womb of his wife bring forth the promise of God? It's a question we all have. Can my barren life bring forth the promise of God? I'm here to tell you yes. Because God, the Creator, is God the Redeemer and the God who is the Restorer of all things. Can you say amen? That's the God of your life. But God, He's so good. He's like, I'll tell you what, Abram, I'm going to speak on your level. You don't trust the voice. I get that. So I'm going to speak to you in your language. And He didn't have to. He didn't have to make a covenant with Abraham because He already spoke and His word is true. But he wanted to do something through Abraham and he wanted to do something through you. Genesis 15 verse 17, he said, When the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, a smoking pot and a blazing torch appeared and passed through the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, To your descendants I give this land. Oh, Jesus. To, this, to your descendants I give this land. If you turn to Jesus in your darkest season, and put your trust in Him, He will build a new thing in your life, and He's going to bless those around you. He's going to bless you in a way that it 
overflows your life and begins to bless the people around you. It's going to be a source of blessing. It's going to be a wellspring of life. But we have to, in our dark seasons, turn to God. God had to make Abraham know who's the God and who's the man. He had to get Abram to a place of darkness. He had to get him to a place of coming to the end of himself and at that point, after his wandering, after his best efforts, he turned back to the place of covenant and God made the covenant with him. What's God saying in this covenant? Remember, if anybody breaks this covenant, you know, they're saying, whatever happened to these animals, I will allow to happen to me. Can you imagine God saying, if I break my word, Abram, you can go ahead and kill me. Why would God even do that? Why would he need to? Because he's a most beautiful, wonderful, amazing God. He is the loving, long-suffering, come in the flesh, even though he lived in heaven, God. He's the one who forgave you before you even started sinning, God. He's the God who forgave you after you started sinning and repenting, and he knew you would sin again, God. He's the God who brings you blessing, even though you don't deserve them, God. He's the God who knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning and knows the middle and knows your mistakes and yet still calls you beloved. God. He is the God who is speaking promises over you when you don't believe in yourself. God is believing in you. God. He's the God who says, I don't care how far you've run away. I don't care how much you've denied me. I don't care what level of sin you have committed. I'm still here believing the best for you and calling you home. God. Can you say amen? This is the God we serve. And so this God says, not, I, 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 I'm not just See, in those days, the king would say, I'll make a covenant with you. You walk through the offering. And if you don't keep your part, I'll kill you. But God says, I'm going to come through this thing with you. And so there's this flaming torch and this smoking pot going through it. And God is saying, hey, you can trust my word because you know what? You're never going to have to kill God for breaking his word. The Bible says in Hebrews, as they interpret what this covenant is, it says in chapter 6, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He's become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. What does this mean? He's saying, listen, the Levites, they, they, they could go behind that curtain once a year and, and then you hope they came out alive, but there's something better that we have now. We have a high priest who doesn't just visit behind the curtain once a year. We got a high priest who lives beyond the curtain. He's actually there ministering. He's actually there praying. And it's not just him disconnected for you. Watch this. He's a, actually, when you put your faith in Christ, you're like a ship at sea and ships at sea just get tossed and they wander and they just can get washed ashore but he's like no 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 when you put your faith in God he can't lie and when you put your faith in that God the one living beyond the veil the Bible says that there is a anchor that goes from you by the chain you're you have a chain coming off of you like an anchor line and it's connected to an anchor and where is that anchor is it in the ground no is it in the heavens no is it in the clouds 
No. Is it in the Bible? No. This anchor is in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're actually anchored to Him beyond the holy place. It's not just you here by yourself. You are connected to the One who's on the other side of the veil in the presence of the Father at the right hand praying for you. This is the hope we have in God. He cannot lie. He cannot fail. And you are eternally connected to Him. Can you say amen? Just thank Him for a second that you're not on your own. Just thank Him for a second. Thank you, Cheek. No, no, no. Thank Him for a second. It's not just about me and what I can do, but you actually, oh, come on, somebody. He's worth more than that. Just thank Him for a second that He's worthy of your trust and admiration. He's worthy of you fully believing that He is trustworthy. Oh, that's hard when you're out of hope. Come on, let me tell you, sometimes... Worship team, if you would come. Sometimes you find your greatest blessing in your deepest darkness. Sometimes, you come on somebody. Holy Ghost is moving. If he's moving, let him move. Let him move right now. Sometimes you find your greatest blessing in your deep, deepest darkness. You will find it. That, 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 that. And this is, man, if you, I really want you to get this. We're almost done. Man, it looks dark. I, I, I've been there. I, I, I come from a long line of depressed people. I come from a long line of crazy. I know what I know what poverty looks like. I know what hopelessness looks like. Like you, you, you like this. You don't have a pastor who like grew up privileged and and uh, uh, meaning never had any struggle because you can be financially privileged and spiritually shipwrecked you could be you could be you could be family rich and emotionally poor i i i done been every, every any kind of poor any way you want to describe it i've been there right like i've been disappointed i ain't never been shipwrecked right i've been in a helicopter crash paul never did that I've been at the bottom. I, I, I know what it feels like when your family's falling apart. I, I know what it feels like when you think, man, this, this could be the last meal for a while. I, I know what it feels like when you're like, I know that I know that I know God's going to do this, and he didn't do it. I, like, this is, I'm not, I'm not preaching some, I didn't get this message from Joel Osteen. I'm telling you, I, this, 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 this came from Carl. I'm preaching what I know. I, I, I have been there. And what I have found is, the Bible has not changed. The Word has not changed. That God will sometimes, as much as I am not happy about it, God is more than happy to destroy everything you trust in so that you'll trust in Him. He is more than happy to allow everything that you trust in outside of Him fail so he can create a negation so he can bring forth creation even who you believed him to be he is more than willing to allow you to wander in the desert outside the promised land and into Egypt so you'll figure out what he originally said he meant it listen some of you are like You are in a bad place. 
God is like, I just, I, this is the only way I can start over. I got to tear down the old building to build the new one. Like, but I like the old building. I kind of like the old building, God. He's like, but you prayed, thy will be done. I took that serious. Some of you are like, man, I'm glad you ain't talking about me, Pastor. It's a season. It's a season. This is the cycle of God. The cycle of God is He's going to take you. And he's going to take down some things that you think are permanent or scaffolding. And you're living on the scaffolding. He'll tear it down at some point. But others of you, there are hurting people in your life. There are hurting people in your life. And that has to matter to you. There are people in deep darkness and have no way to find God in it. And that has to matter to you. I'm going to talk about something political, but don't get triggered because I don't care about the political part of it. Supreme Court came out with some rulings and there are some people in our, in our land who are greatly hurt. And there's some people who are greatly rejoicing. And if you see people hurting and you're rejoicing, it's time to check who you follow. Their pain has to matter to you. People's fear has to matter to you. I mean, I guess it doesn't, but if you're a Christian, it has to matter to you. This has to matter. We can't dunk on, on hurting people. That is not a win. That is not help Jesus. We are not helping Jesus at all. So this message is something you need to carry. Things look dark, but God has light. You might be in that dark season, but in your deepest, darkest seasons, you may find your greatest blessing. Let me speak this one more thing before I finish. I'm going to talk more about this in a couple weeks, but some of you like this dark season, it's time to come out of it as you. Like you tried to be somebody else and it still failed. You might as well be you. Being someone else didn't work. I talked to pregnant women. Um, it's really kind of funny. Um, who are very modest, you know. Don't, you know, physically modest. They say something about having a baby changes things. Like when you are in the most vulnerable position possible for a woman. And people are walking in and out of the room. And a human being comes out of your body. You're like, it ain't a big deal no more. Like, it's all been out there, right? Like, it's, and there's a freedom that comes that says, like, it's my body. God created it is what it is. And I want you to be able to walk in your skin. I want you to come out of this dark season with a new identity. Does this make sense? I want you to come out of this season and say, I'm going to be who God created me to be. Listen, if we are faithless, He remains faithful he cannot deny himself. <laughs> what he said to you is who he is. And so God is calling us from the future to who he's called us to be. He's calling you to who he's called you to be. He's calling you to walk in covenantal peace with God. Stand with me if you will. We're about to receive the Lord's table.
keep playing, but just. Now, I want to, I if we have elements in the lobby, if you don't have your elements, and let me tell you this. I want to tell you this, and, and, and if you don't agree with me theologically, you know, today's a good day to learn. Jesus never turned anyone away from his table. One of the accusations against Jesus was the table of the Lord had unclean people at it. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul said, if you receive communion and you don't understand who's part of the body, you're bringing a curse on yourself. So don't make any judgment about who can and can't have communion, all right? Amen? Amen. This, is, this, this ain't my table. It's not your table. It's the Lord's table. And you don't get to decide who's invited to his party. <laughs> Amen. Shabbat. Hallelujah. For the first 1,500 years of Christianity, and up till today for a good portion, the theology was if you did not share the Eucharist, you didn't have church. The whole point of the service was that we would partake of the sacrament of the Eucharist. We would dine with the Lord. And so for me, this is not a symbol. It's not a sign. It's not, you know, proving to other people that I'm in the club. This is, this is Jesus at the head of the table who's breaking bread with me. And here's what he said. I'm just going to tell you what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 26, he said, Josh, I don't think I gave you this. Matthew 26, 26 through 30. He says they were having a meal, and while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Now, you can parabolize that all you want. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Oh, pastor, are you Catholic? I'm, I'm quoting the Bible. Do whatever you want with it. Jesus said, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I'll not drink of this fruit. Drink, it, drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day that I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they'd sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Oh boy. I don't have time to teach this right now, but I will. But we're going to receive the body of the Lord and we're going to receive the blood of the Lord. And then the Mount of Olives is where they went and they were squeezed. They found out what was really on the inside of them. And Jesus came into his glory. So Lord, on the night you were betrayed, man, I, I feel something here, Stanley. I feel something. So Jesus is taking this old imagery with Abraham. This cutting of the covenant. And as the symbol of the Lord, the fire and the smoke went in between the animal with Abram, kind of God walked with Abram. Jesus like, I need you to see this. This time, I'm going to get cut on my own. I'm doing this covenant on my own. I am coveting this covenant. It's cut right in his side. Right in his hands, right in his feet. And as you enter into this covenant, 
get the promises of the God who does not lie. Can you say amen? amen. And today, I am believing as we receive the table of the Lord that some of you this week are going to begin to hope again. Hope is not going to be painful anymore. But it will be refined in the hope that God has for you. So Lord, on the night you were betrayed, you took the bread and you broke it. And you said, this is my body. Broken for you. Receive the body of the Lord. Ah. Listen. Hope is coming. Hope is coming. Hope is coming. Hope is coming. And then he took the cup. He said, this is my blood. This is the cup of the new covenant. Those are the words of Jesus. There was an old covenant. This is the new covenant. And it's better than the old one. It's better than the old one. And by taking this, we are entering into this new covenant where the covenant keeper, Jesus Christ himself, in promises through his resurrection that he's conquered death. And he's going to bring you into a new life. Can you say amen? I'm going to go into greater... Okay. Ready? Receive the cup of the new covenant. Father, we love you. Wow, Shakaba. Father, I, de- mm, I declare in the name of Jesus your presence, your power, your glory. Father, your faithfulness, your faithfulness, your faithfulness will be settled in the hearts of your people today. I impart grace over their lives in the name of Jesus. I bless them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I declare that in their hearts it will be settled that you are the faithful God. And I declare these people who have entered into a covenant with you, the devil shall flee from their lives seven ways that freedom will come upon them, that freedom will will keep them, that they will be kept in perfect peace. If you've not put your faith in Christ right now, just tell them, Lord Jesus, I declare that you are my God and I receive you as my sacrifice. I walk through this sacrifice and I receive you as my Savior. I'm ready to serve you. And if you've recommitted yourself today through that prayer, or that's the first time, meet somebody in the lobby before you leave. they got some free stuff they want to give you. But we're going to sing this over our offering right now. Don't go yet. Let's sing it. Let's sing it over our offering right now. Let's sing it over this covenant. Together. In the name of Jesus. Great Come on. is your great is your faith Come on, sing it out. We sing. Great is your faithfulness. He's doing something new. Doing something new. From the rising sun to the setting, say my will praise your name. Oh yeah, great is your faithfulness. Lift your voice. Come on. Great is your, great is your faithfulness to me. Yeah. Great is your faithfulness. I feel like we need to declare it. I put my trust in Jesus. Come on. From the, from the, from the rising sun to 
I declare your peace over your people. I declare your peace over your people. I declare blessings over them this week that they would go and walk in your covenant in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Give a clap offer to the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. I will see some of you tonight at intercession. If you made that decision, see someone in the lobby who want to get you some free stuff. God bless you.